0: Hello and welcome to You Should Hear This, a podcast for the everyday association professional. I'm Nick Estrada, your host. In today's episode, we'll talk a bit about anxiety and stress, both of which for association professionals have increased drastically during the period of the pandemic. We're experiencing stressed members, stressed staff, and reduced resources to complete our jobs. And managing these emotions is important, and today we'll talk about how we can accomplish that. Our guest today is CJ McClanahan. CJ is a sought-after speaker, author, and executive coach. Since 2003, he's spent more than 10,000 hours in front of entrepreneurs, executives, and their teams, helping them to achieve record sales and profits. A few years after starting his coaching firm, CJ noticed that no matter how much success his clients achieved, very few ever seemed to truly enjoy the journey. It didn't matter if they doubled their income or became a CEO, it never seemed to be enough. And in his latest book, The Overachiever's Dilemma, it lays out a proven strategy to help overachievers get more satisfaction and joy in their lives while still achieving all their professional goals. So welcome CJ.
1: Thanks Nick, I appreciate the opportunity to be
0: with you today. Yeah we're happy to have you. So tell us a little bit about um, your professional journey and how you know you've gotten engaged with associations and the work that we do.
1: You bet. So uh I began my career many, many years ago. Uh, I worked in politics right out of college for no reason at all other than I needed a job. (laughs) I left and went to Arthur Anderson, the big accounting firm. I stayed there for a while, and then I had a unique opportunity to help run a manufacturing company here in Indianapolis, which I did for a few years. Uh, I then went and ran a sales team at a software company. And then in 2003... When uh, we were getting ready to have our first child, I decided I was going to take our savings and start my own company, which seemed crazy at the time. But So there I was, quit my job, took our savings, started a company out of our basement, advising and coaching and training mostly CEOs and entrepreneurs on how to build their businesses. And so I've been doing that for um, 18 years. Uh, clients in all different industries and all different types of things that I've done, but mostly focused on sales and leadership. About a year into the business, I had an opportunity to speak in front of a group. I never knew that I would like speaking. And what I recognized is I love speaking. And it really became something I was passionate about. So shortly after then, I began to learn more about associations. I joined some association um, groups and I become really engaged with uh, associations and how they operate. I've sat on association boards before, and I've been very involved in recognizing all of the different challenges that association leaders have. And of course, during COVID, it has been heightened. I mean, I think calling it heightened is an understatement. It doesn't even (laughs) do justice to the issue. And so, yeah, dealing with association leaders is something that I do on a regular basis, and I always find it quite a bit of fun. Um, And I think that they are uniquely challenged because, well, for a million different reasons, but for no other reason than a lot of their board members are volunteers and their board is very influential at times. Then they have all of these demands from all of their members. And now there's a bazillion different associations out there, so it's harder than ever to get members. And so, Association leaders feel always tons and tons of stress, and it's been fun to get to know them and help them deal with some of the stress and anxiety they've been dealing with, especially during the last 18 months.
0: So I'm definitely not stressed at all now hearing all the challenges that you've described that we face every day. But I think you're right, right? Like these are a lot of the things that I think many of us are feeling. And you're right, I think to call it heightened during the pandemic is an understatement. Um, as I mentioned, right, we're all likely dealing with less resources, fewer members potentially. And so, and even if you have seen membership gains, you're seeing new demands from those new members, right? So Mm -hmm. there's still some stress that's coming even from new folks. Yeah, no doubt. So tell us a little bit about, you know, obviously again, we're talking about anxiety and stress today. So what's, what's your personal journey with anxiety and stress?
1: So I think maybe I'm like everyone, right? from an anxiety and stress standpoint, except when I was a senior in uh, college, I was living in a fraternity at Indiana University. And I had, I mean, everything was going great. I had been accepted to law school. I had, I had been, I was on the homecoming court. I mean, my, I was, I mean, things in my life were, I had hair back then. I mean, everything in my life was trending in a very, very positive direction. And then one day I, I couldn't get out of bed and my heart was racing nonstop. And that led to two and that led to three and that led to four. And and the next thing you know, two, three weeks later, I'm in in my room all the time. I can't leave because I'm so stressed and anxious all the time. And I called my dad, I distinctly remember this, from my fraternity room. And I said, dad, I I mean, I think I got to drop out of college this is, I'm under so much stress and anxiety, I don't know what in the world is going on. And so, the, you know, the classic questions come, okay, what is it? Are the classes hard, this and that? And I'm like, no, every, my life is my life is perfect. And, and so eventually we agreed, maybe I had to see a healthcare professional, duh. So I went and saw someone, I was diagnosed with chronic uh, anxiety and um, some clinical depression. And that began my journey with stress and anxiety and some mental health issues. Over the last 30 years, uh, I've learned to deal with it in a variety of ways, um, but it is certainly something that has been a characteristic of my entire adult life. Although a characteristic makes it seem like it's everyday, it's certainly not an everyday issue, but it's been part of my journey. As a direct result, or maybe not as a direct result, maybe as a byproduct of this, once I started coaching and training executives 18 years ago, what I found is I thought, well, I'm the one who's stressed out. No one else is as stressed and anxious as I am. Well, that's not true at all. Everyone is stressed and anxious. And what I found is it's chronic. It's been chronic for 18 years, and it's only getting worse. Um, And so now part of what I do is to talk about stress and anxiety and worry on a regular basis with professionals and leaders. Yeah, That's
0: an interesting kind of journey, right? And I think that many of us, I'm, I'm excited to hear, A, that you sought after healthcare. Mm-hmm. professionals to get some assistance because I think that many of us wouldn't maybe do that right that's something yeah, most that, don't uh, yeah most there's some yeah. Mm-hmm. stigma I think around even discussing it having a conversation around it going to see um any kind of healthcare professional. so why why is there such a stigma and why is that an issue that we're not talking about this very often you think
1: yeah the thing with health, the thing with um, mental health issues, stress and anxiety and worry, is that <clears throat> you can't put it under a microscope, Nick. So you just don't know it's there. So if I said to you, Nick, I have cancer, you would know I went to a doctor, they took a blood sample or whatever it is that they do, and they found out that I have cancer or that I have what um, diabetes or whatever it ends up being. If I said to you, I'm really stressed and worried, the brain goes, well, deal with it, right? Stress and worry is part of life, just deal with it. And what folks don't understand is there's a difference between your normal everyday stress and chronic stress and chronic worry and chronic anxiety. I tell you that story about my college experience because there was no reason for me to feel stress and anxiety back then. None. I I mean, my life, you couldn't have, I was a senior in college, everything was laid out for me, life was perfect. Um, And so because of that, people stigmatize this concept because they think we're being quote unquote weak. Now, the stigma has changed over the years. There's no doubt about that, Nick. The stigma has definitely changed, but it is definitely still there.
0: Yeah, I think, right, we're seeing more people that are being willing to come forward and talk about their own struggles and starting to make it seem like it's something that is more okay to talk about. I think, at least personally for me, what I'm seeing more often is it's it's more okay to talk about it in a personal kind of connection, right? So I right. Might talk about it with my friends. but. Why is this something that you think would be really important to talk about in the professional setting, right? Being able to talk with my my peers or my my supervisors or those that I supervise.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Well, two things. It affects the way you behave at work. It, it simply does. Just like um, if I were to say to you, oh, my house just burnt down. And I would come to work the next day, and Nick would go, how are you doing? How are things going? I know your house just burnt down. I know it's tough. And I would get all this empathy and I would feel part of a team and that sort of thing. When you go through a difficult time in life, you need your peers to be around you. You absolutely need the help of your peers. And it is almost, I don't want to say impossible, but it's extremely difficult when you hold it in, right? And so we need to be able to talk about it at, in the workplace because two things. First, people need to know they have got connections so that they can feel better. Second, Nick, is that it's critical that you begin having these conversations because when you have these conversations, the productivity of your employees is actually gonna go up. What's interesting about stress and mental health issues is that the minute you know you're working with someone else, the minute you know that other people are going through this, have been through the same thing and people are there for you and you can talk to them, you don't feel as alone. And one of the biggest challenges with mental health especially anxiety, especially worry, is that we feel so alone. Another piece of the puzzle here is that therapeutically speaking, sharing your journey with others simply helps. That's why there's the 12-step program when you sit in rooms. That's why you feel so much better when you engage with a group of people and you're allowed to talk about your challenges. You need to be able to get it off your chest. You need to be able to allow people to recognize that your behavior today might be tweaked just a bit because of something you're feeling and something you're going through.
0: Yeah. And I think kind of what you're hitting on there, that that connection, the the productivity and just talking, right? I think that all gets to helping to create a culture at your office that'll that makes it okay to talk about these things, right? That makes it okay to bring that up. And I think there's a little bit of introspection then that happens along with that right if I mm-hmm. if it's been made a culture that this is okay to talk about I'm okay to say maybe I am a little off today right. because of something that stressed me out and I'm and it's okay to name that right I can tell people hey sorry if that interaction was weird I think I'm just stressed today right
1: yeah and and also think about it this way uh, what happens with people when they go through stress and anxiety or any kind of a mental health issue which by the way 20 to 25% of the population is going to go through some very serious chronic or clinical uh, mental health issue in their lifetime. I mean, it's an enormous uh, factor it, and it is rising for, for somewhat obvious reasons. But once you're able to uh, go into the office, you're, be able, you're able to have conversations about it and it becomes an open part of the office, something else happens. You think of yourself as being a stressed and anxious person. And then all of a sudden, you you begin to tell yourself the story of, oh, my gosh, I'm an anxious and stressed out person. And then then you begin to tell, it, it becomes a stigma in your own mind. When you share it with your peers, it becomes, oh, it's Nick. Nick's great at his job, great background, great skill sets. Nick is having a day where he has stressful thoughts. It's not who Nick is. It does not define Nick. It's just thoughts that grow his go through their brain. And once you recognize that a thought is just this thing that comes and it goes, and it doesn't define you, that also makes you feel so much better about the situation. And you begin to grasp and recognize it, that it does not, you're not going to categorize yourself as a stressed out, anxious person. Now you're going to say, I'm Nick, I'm CJ, who every now and then gets stressed out and anxious. And that's normal. It's human nature. Yeah. I
0: really like that distinction, right? It's not who you are. It's just something that happens Every Mm -hmm. now and then, and we're all going to have those moments, right? When we plan an event,
1: that's going to be something
0: that's stressful or, you know, a stressful board meeting or something like that. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. The, those conversations that are coming up, but yeah, I think good to know that, right. We're not identifying ourselves then as a stressed or anxious person. Yeah, no doubt. So you've, you've mentioned this a couple of times, right. That stress and anxiousness are on the rise. We're seeing Mm -hmm. um, that's a, that was a very interesting statistic for me to see that, you know, almost one in five are going to experience it at some point in their life. So. Why are we seeing more stressed out people, more anxious people than ever before? Um, And what are some of the things that are causing this?
1: Yeah, big question. Lots of different factors. Uh, The the research that I'm reading, the research that I'm doing is stress and anxiety are primarily being caused by a handful of things. Uh, Number one, pre-COVID, right? Number one, pre-COVID is we... We're as human beings, especially professionals, Nick. What we do, whether we don't think we do it or not, is we compare ourselves to other professionals and we want to outdo other professionals. It's part of who we are. I want to strive. I want to achieve. I want to get a raise. I want to get a promotion, so on and so forth. In 1960, we probably did the same thing, but we didn't know how all of our peers were doing. Today, I'll go on LinkedIn after this recording for five minutes, and I will see 11 people who have just won some award or landed some big contract or something. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, why am I not doing enough? So the digital world and the social world, where we're able to share everything on our phones every single second of every day. Nick, what that does is it causes us to constantly compare, which increases the level of stress and anxiety that we feel because what we were able to do in the past in order to feel good about ourselves is no longer enough because every day we're bombarded with people doing better.
0: Now, you know, CJ, I saw something the other day on this exact topic. They were talking mm -hmm. about, you know, LinkedIn as an example, right? Is becoming like Facebook and like Instagram where folks Mm -hmm. are primarily only highlighting the things that they are doing really well, right? They're not talking about their challenges, Mm -hmm. um, the things they're struggling with. It's the, all the awards I've won and all the things I've done and, um, I had not really thought about it in that way that, like, yeah, this broader network, this social network has um, given us the ability to, yeah, now I compare myself to 10,000 people versus the, you know, maybe 20 or 100 in my circles. Right.
1: It's totally different. Yeah. And, and, and every time you you log in, people don't say I'm really stressed out and anxious and having a terrible day today, or I'm really worried about my industry, or I'm worried about my career. You don't share that on social media. You share how amazing and wonderful you you think things are. Um, and as a direct result, people think, oh my gosh, everyone else is doing so great. You know, what's one interesting thing? I'm a in, in my role as is, is, is an executive coach, Nick, I also play an unlicensed therapist. And what I mean by that is people tell me everything. And what I what is so fascinating to me over the years is very talented professionals will say the following to me all the time. You know what? I know no one else is stressed and anxious and worried as much as I am. I don't know why I'm the only one feeling this way. And I'm like, you're not. You just don't. No one talks about it, right? You don't. You don't share it. When you see everyone, how's everything going? Oh man, we're great. Everything's great. Blah blah, 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 blah. No, let's be real with one another. Let's be honest. Let's be vulnerable. Things are challenging from time to time, and especially men, Nick. Man, we don't change. We don't share anything, right? We want to be tough macho guys all the time. We don't share a thing. Women, God bless them are a little bit more confident in their, in their ability to be vulnerable with other women and they share things, which is, I mean, good for them. And so that's, that's caused a little bit of a rise in it. Number two, uh, COVID. So, and again, Nick, you and I both know there will be a thousand books written about COVID, right? And they will all say about the same thing. But what I've heard about COVID is it's, we're going through, we're going to suffer from almost PTSD from COVID because it has been so jarring to certain people. It has been unbelievably jarring to associations, right? And your your members, Nick, as a member, we know how this feels from an association standpoint. I mean, I was having conversation with association leaders like every week for the first three months. And they were like, I don't know if our association survives. Are we ever going to meet again? Are we going to have to cut our staff in half? I mean, it was just so jarring because we never knew if we would get back to normal. So covid and this pandemic has just added so much fuel to the fire. And then plop in if you got kids in school and are they learning? Are they not learning? Do they have masks on? Don't they have masks on? And then you got relatives. Are you vaccinated? Or are you not vaccinated? And then the whole world is crazy. And then you then you pile on the fact that all of our politicians have completely lost their minds and just scream and yell at each other all the time. You put that all in a pot, you stir it around, Nick, and it makes life stressful. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I
0: think, yeah, COVID, right, is just gonna be. Such an interesting, you know, we were actually talking about recently just what will sustain after it, right? What changes mm-hmm. that businesses or associations have made, um, you know, and what we hope stays and what we hope goes away, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. We hope we we hope we meet again. We hope that we can get back to some normalcy around events and things like that, you know, but then there's the conversation around flexibility um, in the workforce, especially for associations, I think, although I know there was a lot of stress for especially executives to make decisions for their employees, I'm hopeful that the decisions they've made, they've seen, right, have actually hopefully lessened some of the stress for their employees. Providing some of that flexibility and knowing that, yeah, we can work Mm -hmm. in different ways than what we used to believe. But yeah, it's definitely been a big impact for sure. And I think that it brought with it a lot of things um, that maybe had been kind of simmering at the surface for stress and anxiety, right? And then just magnified them.
1: That's a great point. Yeah, no doubt.
0: So as we think about you know, all this stress and all this anxiousness that we're dealing with, what are some of the best strategies? What are some of the best coping mechanisms that you have seen, that you've read about, you use personally um, to deal with those
1: things? So I've got a, a list of a handful of strategies that I've seen work. And I would say that I don't like having stress and anxiety, but the upside is I've practiced with it for 30 years. So I'm quote unquote, an expert in dealing with it now first thought first strategy tactic or strategy uh when you deal with stress and anxiety is to recognize that everyone deals with this at some point you're not broken there's nothing wrong with you it's it's normal to deal with stress and anxiety it's not you're not a crazy person it is normal second thing is don't try to eliminate it instantaneously. So what will happen is once you begin to feel stress and worry and anxiety, like your your body goes, oh my God, this this stinks. I have got to get this to go away. And you almost want to build a force field around your mind. So no, you don't get any stress and anxiety. The problem is, and there's this phrase in mental health that says, whatever you resist persists. So when you resist it and you say, I hate this, it's awful. I got to make it go away. It actually gets worse. So the way that I like to think about it, or the way that I recommend you think about it, is that. When you notice a stressful thought or an anxious thought or a sad thought or a fear-based thought, and by the way, Nick, almost all anxious thoughts are fear-based. We're afraid of something. When you feel it, instead of fighting it, you just recognize there it is and then recognize that the thought is going to go. The thought will come. The thought will go. Now, that doesn't eliminate stress and anxiety. It doesn't, but it will make it better, okay? Third thing is uh, about dealing with stress and anxiety is to come back to the moment that you're in. Almost all stress and anxiety is the result of your brain going to the future and anticipating the future is going to stink. Oh, what if I feel this way tomorrow? Oh my gosh, what if I have all this work tomorrow? Oh no. What if my son doesn't get into college? Oh no. What if this? What if that? And we begin to have all of these stressful thoughts about what may or may not go wrong in the future. So. I'll have a stressful executive in my office and I will simply say to them, what can you do about it between now and 5 p.m.? Stress will go from a nine to a five almost immediately because I will say, okay, what can we do about it today? So you always come back to the present. The next strategy is share it, right? Share it with someone that you care about. Uh, My roommates in college in my fraternity were Dan and Tom And I shared it with them. And of course, I'm scared to death. I'm like, hey, guys, uh, I'm your roommate for the last two years. FYI, I'm stressed and sad all the time. I mean, how afraid would you be to be in a fraternity and say that to them? These two guys looked me in the eye and they're like, dude, that seems that stinks. We have no idea how to help or what you're going through, but you can talk to us about it anytime. And and I'll never forget that. Right. And I've had employers who I've shared it with and they've been super supportive. So definitely pick someone to share it with. The next, next two quick strategies are the, is exercise, right? When I first struggled with stress and anxiety when I was in my early 20s, I asked uh, the doctor I was seeing at the time, what do, what, what's the best medicine? And he said, the best medicine is cardiovascular exercise. It reduces stress. It releases endorphins. It makes you feel better. You've got to get your body moving, okay? And then the final strategy that I think works well is that don't, don't grade how you're doing Based upon how you're feeling. So, for example, I speak a lot for a living, Nick, and there have been times, not often, but there have been times when I go in front of an audience and I am so stressed out. My head is shaking, my head feels hot, and I'm really stressed out. I'll go in front of the audience, and afterwards, people will come up, oh, that was great, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you couldn't tell. People can't tell. So, don't grade how you feel. Don't think that how you feel is the value you're providing to the world because you're not. All right. Just execute what you've laid out in a day-to-day basis and you are going to begin uh, to feel a little bit better. Last comment, which is kind of a bonus comment as it directly relates to the times we're in today. Stay off social media and stop watching the news, right? Both of those, I mean, obviously Facebook's in the news right now, but both of those mediums are designed to get you either mad or afraid. That's the way they work. That's their business model. If you're not afraid and you're not mad, you're not going to pay attention to either of those mediums. It's and again, I'm not. Even, I'm not really being that critical of them. That's their model. Just that is their business model. If you watch the evening news from six thirty to seven, whichever channel you watch, it will be twenty nine minutes of the world's going to the end tomorrow, and then some thirty second little light. Uh, we're also happy piece, right? And it's just because that's what gets us watching, you know. And and so those are some simple tactics that I've seen help people. Uh, over the years. It helped me over the years, right? And if you're dealing with that stuff, just try some of those tactics and you'll be in a feel better. And then Nick, one other side note, my favorite author on the topic today is a guy by the name of Dr. Judd Brewer. The first two listeners who email me and say, send me a book, I'll send you Dr. Judd's. I bought a ton of his books and I'm now just sending them out to people. The book is called Unwinding Anxiety. Two, the first two listeners today who say, CJ, send me the book and give me their address. I'll send them a free copy of the book. It is an absolutely fantastic book about dealing with anxiety, and it's based on science. It's really, really well done. Yeah, and I really love it. And ironically, Dr. Brewer, he's at Harvard now, I think. Boy, I'm going to get that wrong. He's from Indianapolis originally, which I didn't know that when I first met him. Yeah, so anyways, Simple Tactics, get Dr. Judd Brewer's book. If you email me, I'll send it to you for free.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, thank you for that. And, you know, I think as you kind of list through these, right, um, I, I was kind of just taking some notes personally, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a thing that I could do, or this is where I could utilize this, you know, even just the exercise one. I, I know sometimes, personally, I feel really guilty about, like, getting up and going for a walk while I'm at the office, because I'm like, mm-hmm. I should be working, right? I should, and, you know, especially for me personally, right now, where it's, you know, our, our team is understaffed right now, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. I can't walk away from my computer. I need to be there all the time. And hearing that, right, gives me hopefully, um, some permission to say like, okay, I can go take a 20 minute walk. That's okay. Nick. Right. You know, um, not,
1: not only, not only have you earned the right, but, and there's quite a bit of data around this, a Nick, if Nick takes a 20 to 30 minute walk every day, the remainder of Nick's day is going to be more productive than he didn't. So the value that your employer is going to get out of you is going to be greater. If you exercise, it's crystal clear. Absolutely crystal clear, put exercise into your agenda, everyone, and again, you don't have to run marathons, just go for a walk, whatever it is, just get out there, be a little bit active. it's so good for you, so it makes you feel so much better
0: yeah, that's great, so yeah, everyone, I mean, as you're listening, right, think about those, pick one of those that maybe you can implement today if you don't have somebody that you've already identified to share, you know your stress with or, or even just chat with, find somebody on your team um, as we think about you know, it's so obviously those are things that I, you know, or we personally can do mm-hmm. um, many of our association professionals, right. Supervise a team or they work with a team directly. Um, so how can a supervisor better support their team during stressful times or anxious times? And what are some of their best practices um, to bring this to light with their teams?
1: Yeah, that's a very helpful question and, and, and super valuable right now. Um, The first thought is this, is I think leaders need to be very transparent and say, I'm feeling stressed when they are feeling stressed. Now, again, I don't want a leader to walk into the office and to burst into tears all day long. I'm not sure that's a best practice, but it is valuable for them to go, hey, guys, I'm stressed out. I don't know how you feel, right? It's just valuable to say it. Get it out in the open. That's number one. Number two is talk about stress and anxiety on a regular basis. Who's feeling extra stressed today? Hands go up. Just, just bring it and talk about it from the vernacular and, on a regular basis. Just, and again, I'm not saying dedicate half of every meeting to it, but just bring it up. Because here's what I know to be true. Again, Nick, I'm quote unquote an expert in this because I've been doing it for 18 years. People are stressed out. They are stressed out. If I, if you, if Nick, you sat into all my client meetings over the next week, and I said, "How, how are you doing from a stress standpoint?" 80% of my clients would say stressed out. This is what it is. I mean, so you got to talk about it. Third thing is, is that if someone is feeling uh, in a chronic stressful sort of way, and they're like, I don't know if this is just normal stress or above normal stress, provide them with some sort of person for them to talk to as a leader, right? Whether it's a mental health professional, send, dear God, everyone listening today, you can give them my email address, you can send them to me and I can put them in touch with a resource. What's interesting about the mental health industry and stress and anxiety, Nick, is that it has gone through a radical transformation in the last 40 years. 40 years ago, you never, ever talked about any of these issues. I mean, never, maybe 50, let's say 50. In the last 30 years, it is, it is a topic we're talking about. It is very, there's tons of great treatments. It's very, very treatable today. People just don't know about it because they think, well, I'm, only, I'm the only one dealing with it. It's got to be a problem for everybody else. No, it's a treat. It's no different than diabetes, right? There is a treatment that can make you feel better. You just have to, you, you have to come out there and own it. And our supervisors and leaders of associations need to talk about it so that they recognize that it's okay to go through this. Just like if someone came in and their leg is clearly broken, you're not going to say to them, sorry about your leg, keep working. You'd say, go get your leg fixed. Same exact thing. Now, what's so interesting about this approach, Nick, is that it is right now we're in a labor shortage in the marketplace. Everybody knows that. It's hard to find top talent. If you are the kind of employer and you're the kind of leader that people know they can lean on in difficult times, guess what they don't do? They don't leave. Guess what else they do? They recruit their friends to come work for you, okay? Be the kind of empathetic leader that helps people deal with these things and you will feel better, okay? Last thought. If you are a leader of an association and you feel like you could use some help talking to someone, talk to someone. There's no shame in therapy. In fact, I tell every one of my clients, if you're not going through therapy, you should go through therapy. Everybody needs therapy at some point in their life. We all need somebody to talk to. And so give, let's just own it. Let's treat it and let's lead it. And if you do those things as a leader, you're going to help your people feel less stressed you're going to get them to have a more of a sense of loyalty to you. And guess what? They'll recruit their friends. There's tons of benefit around to, to helping deal with this and get people out of the closet from it.
0: Yeah. One thing that you just mentioned about kind of that resource connection that triggered a light for me is as a supervisor, being um, familiar with your, um, you know, your health insurance policies, right. Being ready to say, Hey, um, you know, if you need to see somebody, don't forget, you know, our health insurance covers, you know, mm-hmm. five free visits or you know, whatever. Obviously, I don't know what everybody's insurance is, but you know, being familiar with what that is so that you can make that connection, just to your example, right? Just like I would for hey, you you broke your arm, don't forget, mm-hmm. you know, we have whatever that can help cover that. And so you should go get that taken care of. So I think that's a great point to to kind of
1: yeah. Know one that. other quick thought on that, Nick, is that today, because of this thing called the internet and Zoom, and we're all Zoom, as you and I Zoom right this minute, um, there's a bazillion great low price options to do uh, virtual therapy, right? I mean, tons of them out there. And so there you have more access to therapy than you've ever had in the past, today, and people to talk to. Um, because because it's, people know there's, I mean, the value proposition exists. Wouldn't it be great to be able to deal with a therapist over the internet, overlook at them on my computer screen so I don't have to get in the car, drive to their office, sit in their office, wait. It's just so much easier to do.
0: Yeah. And I think as we explore some of the, you know, I'm starting to see more and more associations who have made connections with some of those um, companies that you're talking about, right? So they- mm-hmm. It's maybe a benefit for members, but maybe that's a challenge for us to think that that's a benefit for our staffs and our employees as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Great Great idea. Yeah.
0: All right. So, you know, I think you you mentioned the empathy piece here. Um, I'm curious. So how, how does an employer generate a culture of empathy around anxiety and stress?
1: Yeah. Well, that's a great point. You first talk about it. Right. You you make, you make a point to talk about it again, not every day, not all the time, but you make a point to say, Hey guys, I read a study X percentage of people are really stressed out of their office. I want to make certain that we are open to talk about stress and anxiety. I just want to make certain that we're open to talk about it. That's a great uh, way. And if you do that on a regular enough basis, it automatically becomes a little bit of your culture. That's number one. Number two, um, if if someone is going through a lot of stress in your office and you don't know, you've never dealt with stress and anxiety, don't try to solve the problem for them. Just tell them, I'm here to listen. I'm absolutely, that's all I can do is listen. I will listen whenever you want to talk to me about what you're going through. I can't solve a thing, but I'm here to listen. And that's hugely valuable to people. And if people know that you're the type of person who will just simply listen, um. Uh, that, that that creates that culture of empathy. And the third thought is, as a general rule of thumb, just be a better listener. You know, human beings, we're not good listeners. Most of us are always thinking about what can I say when someone is about midway through their thought, we're all thinking about, all right, how am I going to respond to this? It's a simple rule of thumb. I, I've, I would love to say I've mastered it, Nick. That would be a complete lie. Let's say I'm 60% of the way there is when someone is done speaking, I wait a second before I respond. Believe it or not, people, there are people on this planet and it's not my family, but there are people on this planet who think that I'm empathetic because of the one second rule, you know, just by waiting a second, hmm, validating what it is that they said, people believe that I'm empathetic. And then just having an open conversation about stress and anxiety in the office, you'd be one of the few offices that do that for your listeners here today. And if you do that on a regular basis, people are going to be more comfortable talking about it and they are going to recognize they're not going to feel so alone and they're going to recognize, oh, this is, I'm not some crazy person who was going through a lot of stress and anxiety. A lot of people are going through this right now.
0: Thank you for that. I tried to wait a second there. Before no, I, I love it, man. No, I, so I appreciate that. That's, I mean, that's always what I really appreciate about these conversations with folks, right? Is because um, that's a great snippet. That's an easy thing to implement mm-hmm. in our day-to-day kind of work that we do, um, and yeah, I mean it's always important, right? I, I think as you're working with folks that you supervise to to truly listen and not immediately go on the combative or the defensive if they've brought something up that's stressing them out. Um so thank you for all of the the details you've given us today. I'm I've taken personally a lot of notes and I hope that um our listeners today gain a lot from this. As we start to wrap up, um it's a new question I've started to ask, but I, I'm I'm curious, what's one piece of advice? Um, that you'd give to association professionals specifically um, that maybe you wish you'd known as maybe an earlier professional in your career um, or when dealing with anxiety and stress? um, Just one key thing maybe they can take away today.
1: That's a great question. I think every association professional should ask their direct, um, uh, especially your leaders, right? Every association professional should be wildly curious about everyone around them. What, I was so, in early in my career, I was so eager to tell people about myself, Nick, that I wasn't wildly curious about their journeys. And so when you're out there engaging with other people, ask questions. How did you get to do this? Why are you in this industry? How did you get to where you're at? Oh, that sounds challenging. Wow, that's neat. Just be wildly curious. That does two things. Number one, I mean, you learn. You learn a ton about other people. But number two, human beings love to know other people care about their stories. And it allows them to open up and to have meaningful, heartfelt, thoughtful conversations. So for all association professionals out there, just be wildly curious, ask people questions, be be truly interested in their journeys. And you will be a very unique person because not very many people do that. And it will set you apart and it will allow you to really get to know people in a meaningful way, which is what we all really crave right? This connection to other human beings.
0: And I really like that because that is tied, I think, specifically to the mission of an association, right? Like when you think about the work we do, we are about connecting people. And so if we are not wildly curious about the members that are in our associations, the volunteers that we work with and our employees, yeah, I mean, what kind of connection are we making? So I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Well, CJ, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate you taking some time and, and sharing your expertise on this. If uh, you mentioned already once, um, you know, folks want to get in contact with you, but how would they be able to reach you? How can they find you on social media, etc.?
1: Yeah, so again, I'm not I'm not great at social media. My, my the one place I'm somewhat active on social media is LinkedIn. Uh, so go to LinkedIn and just search by my name. You can go to my website at cjmclanahan.com or you can reach me at cj at com. And again, the first people to reach out and say, send me the book, remember to give me your address. I will send you the book, um, Unwinding Anxiety by Dr. Judd Brewer. Awesome. Well, thank you. To our listeners,
0: we hope you enjoyed this episode of You Should Hear This. And if you have any questions you'd like answered, For future topics you'd like us to explore, please send us an email at info at isae.org.